All right. Well, hey, everyone. It's good to see all of you. My name's Todd. If I haven't met you, I would love to meet you at some point. Welcome to all of you who are here in the sanctuary. If you're over in East Hall, we are so glad you've joined us. If you're watching online, thanks for joining us as well. Uh, well, listen, Pastor Joe started a brand new series last week that he called, that we call Shift, Five Ways That God Shapes Your Life. And uh, this whole series actually started from a conversation that some of our staff had one day where we just started talking about the different things that made the biggest difference in us growing in our relationship with Jesus. And as we were talking, uh, we talked about those things that kind of shifted us or jolted us out of complacency and into a healthier relationship with God. One of those things was friendship. That's what happened. That's what Joe talked about last week. Another thing that came up is that God has changed us through mentors. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, how God transforms us through mentors. All right, so there are three questions that I'm going to ask and try to answer today. The first question is, why is mentoring important? The second is, how does mentoring actually change you? How does it work? And then the third is, what is holding us back from getting mentoring or from getting into that relationship. So why is it important? How does it work? And what's holding us back? Okay, the first question is, why is it important? Well, listen, none of us would be here today without mentors. All of us were born into this world helpless without someone to actually teach us how to do just about anything at all. Right? I mean, we learned how to walk, how to tie our shoe, how to ride a bike, how to do math. All of those things were taught to us. I remember people that taught me different things. Mrs. Bates, my first grade teacher, taught me how to read. Uh, there was a guy named Ben who was one of my coaches. He taught me how to play soccer. It's a guy named Frank from YouTube taught me how to change my lawnmower belt, right? The whole reason that I have three questions for you today is because some guy taught me to preach. That's what we have. Every one of us is, uh, does not know anything that we currently do right now without mentors in our life that have taught us. And uh, without mentoring, my son Griffin, who is seven, would not be a diehard Browns fan. Right, because we know that being a Browns fan does not come naturally to anyone. It must be taught. And, and I've got to tell you a quick side story. A couple weeks ago, we were at a store. And uh, I was with Griffin, and we walked past a guy with a Steelers jersey on. And Griffin, I looked at him, and he was visibly disturbed. And, and he, he looked at me, and he said, Dad, did you see that? He's like, Give me something to punch. And, and while I didn't condone, you know, him being that angry, it was a very proud moment for me as a mentor to my son. But listen, not all of us are nothing without the mentors who have taught us just about everything we can currently do in our life right now. But without spiritual mentors, most of us wouldn't even be here today. Without spiritual mentors, we would not know Jesus as our Savior, we would never be growing in that relationship with him. And it's that kind of mentoring that we're going to talk about today. 
See, mentoring is not just a good idea. Mentoring is God's design to move the church forward. When Jesus came to this earth, he chose 12 disciples that he would mentor. But even then, he chose three that we see he spent the most time with. You see, Jesus loved the masses. He loved everyone, but he mentored just a few. And he told those people, go do the same. And they mentored a few more who mentored a few more. And all of a sudden, the church spread like wildfire because it's the way that God designed it to be. He used people. He used mentors. Paul is one of the greatest mentors that we read about in Scripture. And Paul mentored a lot of people throughout his missionary journeys, but he wrote two books of the Bible, 1st and 2nd Timothy, that are specifically mentoring letters written to a young leader in the church in Ephesus named Timothy. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them to 2nd Timothy chapter 2, or you can follow along on the screen. I'm just going to read to you two verses, 2nd Timothy 2, 1 and 2. This is what Paul says to Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. All right, so what Paul lays out for Timothy is exactly what mentoring should look like. Right, Paul says, what I'm about to tell you, you need to tell others who will tell others who will tell others. That's the way this thing is going to work. And what Paul, the reason Paul said this is because he knew the greatest resource that the church has to continue to move the church forward is its people. The way the church was going to grow is through mentors. If you know how to follow Jesus today, it's because somebody taught you how to follow Jesus. And someone taught them how to follow Jesus. And someone taught them how to follow Jesus. And if you trace it back far enough, you will eventually get to Jesus because that's the way it was designed. And I believe that if we are going to be a church that in 30 years is thriving and healthy, it's because all of us took mentoring seriously. Right? So that's why mentoring is important. It's God's design. But the second question then is how does mentoring actually work? How does it change you? And I'd like to propose there are three marks of mentoring if you really want it to work, okay? And these are the three that aren't just in any order. I think these three are in the order I give them to you, and I think you'll understand why, okay? So the first one is trust, then there's transparency, and then there's truth. Trust, transparency, and truth. The three marks of mentoring. So first, there's trust. Now, one of the things I thought about doing when I was planning this message is I'm going to teach on mentoring, tell people it's important, and then I'm going to have a big sign-up out in the atrium. And I'm going to have everybody who wants to be mentored, you sign this sheet of paper. Anybody who thinks they can mentor someone else, they sign this sheet of paper. And then we're going to take it, we're going to match everybody up, give them curriculum and say, go, you're now in a mentoring relationship. But then as I was preparing for this message, one of the things I realized is that would be a bad idea. The reason that would be a bad idea is because good mentoring is built upon trust. It's relational. 
You can't force trust. It takes time. It takes relationship. And so here's the thing. If you are someone in here today that knows that you need a mentor, then my suggestion to you is to actually think about the people already in your life, the people that you know at least a little bit, that you've built some relationships, some trust with, And then I want you to think if you respect them, maybe they could be the person that mentors you. Because then you already have some trust built. Now, if you're here today and you go, I don't really know many other Christians, I'm new to this church, or I haven't yet gotten really plugged in, then my challenge to you isn't to find a mentor. My challenge to you is to dive into community here. Get into a a men's Bible study, a women's Bible study, a community group. There's going to be a lot happening here in August as we start the fall. But once you plug in, you start getting to know people, you start building relationship, building trust, building respect, and then very naturally you will find someone that can mentor you. But I think that's the, it's, it works more organically like that if it's going to be successful. Mentoring is built on trust. And um, here's uh, here's the thing. There's a quote that I love. And this is the quote. I don't know who said it, but they said this. People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. And that's what building trust is all about. uh, Paul did this really well. So if you look back in 2 Timothy, back to to chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Paul opens his letter to Timothy by saying this. Listen to this. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Paul starts off his letter not with telling Timothy what to do. It's not an old guy telling a young guy what to do. It's a guy who is reminding him of the relationship that they have built. I mean, you look at this, you see he thanks God for him. He loves him. He prays for him. He says he remembers his tears. That means they've wept together. They've gone through some stuff together. Paul mentions Timothy's mom and grandma by name. He knows his history. He knows his background. He knows a lot about him. He has built trust with Timothy before he ever goes on and tells him the things that he should do. Trust is the basis for any good mentoring relationship. Any time I've had a mentor in my life, they have built into me. They have taken the time to get to know me. And you better believe when they wanted to then challenge me with something that I listened. It starts with trust. Okay, the second mark of mentoring is transparency. So it starts with trust, but then you have to create an environment of transparency as a mentor. So if you want your mentee to actually open up about the struggles that they are going through, then you have to create this environment because if they don't open up, then your mentoring is not going to change a thing because you're not going to know the things that need to be changed, right? So how then do you create this environment of transparency? 
Well, I think one of the ways you do that is by letting them into your life. Not just into your life like in the things, in the the kind of person that you want to be, but really into your life to see the way you live. One of the things Paul did really well is he said this in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's what Paul said. If you want to develop a relationship where you create this environment of transparency, you are going to let someone in. You're going to let them see how you live your life. And that is going to be what is so transformative and what creates transparency. Um, For my wife and I, for Jillian and I, three years into marriage, we kind of looked at each other and just realized we had no idea what we were doing. And we were about to have our first child and we thought to ourselves, we need, we need to find mentors. So this is what we did. We were leading the middle school ministry here at the time. And uh, we figured out, we, we took the best kid in our middle school ministry and called up his parents. Because <laughs> we figured he, they were doing something right. Ken and Billy Jean Ellingson, they were our mentors. We asked them, will you be our mentors? And they, they were thrilled. They were honored that we asked. It was a little awkward to ask that question. But then they said, well, what do you want us to do? What do you want this to look like? And we said this, can we just like hang out with you? We just like spend time with you. And it was a little awkward because they were like quite a bit older than us. But they said, sure. They invited us over. They invited us into their home for dinner. And they really, what they did was they invited us into their lives to the point where now we feel a part of their family. And the best stuff was not what they told us, but it was just us watching the way they lived how they acted as a married couple, how they parented their kids, how they responded when life brought trials to them. It was life on life. Literally what we did was follow them as they followed Jesus. And it was so powerful. It was transformative. They've moved away uh, five years ago and we still go visit them. And when my kids see them, when we see them, it's like seeing aunts and uncles. It is like family because of what they have let, because they have led us into their lives. Um, Paul did the same thing. He set an trans- uh, uh, environment of transparency. This is what he says in 1 Timothy 1.15. As he's writing to Timothy, he says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and listen to what he says, of whom I am the foremost. Right away in Paul's letter to Timothy, he sets the tone of transparency because he says, listen, I am not here because I'm some sort of good guy. As a matter of fact, I was the worst of the worst, and the only reason I'm here is because of what Jesus has done in my life. That's what I can offer you. And he sets this tone for Timothy, and I bet Timothy felt like he could share anything with Paul based on that, what he said to him. There is a, uh, another man that I know, an older man, who mentors a lot of younger men. 
And um, this man has had a lot of success with mentoring young men. And so just this week, I was with him, and he said, yeah, I just got a text from one of the young men that I mentor. And here's what it said. All it said was this, I screwed up. That's all it said. Now, he didn't go on to tell me what happened next and what he did and all. I didn't need to know that. But I thought to myself, what a great mentor he is, that he has built trust and created this environment of transparency where his young mentee felt like he could text him a simple message, I screwed up. Do you have someone in your life right now that when you massively fail as a follower of Jesus, you could text that to them and you knew that they would be there for you, love you, care for you, and point you in the right direction. That is great mentoring. So mentoring, if it's going to change you, it involves trust, it involves transparency, and then finally, it involves truth. It involves truth. A great mark of transparency is truth. Um, Ephesians 4.15. Paul gives another piece of mentoring gold. Here's what he says. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. If you want to grow up into Christ, if you want your mentee to grow up into Christ, then you will speak the truth in love. Both of those things combined is key. Now, I've heard people say before that, you know, they'll say, somebody will say, well, I'm kind of a truth guy. Or I'm kind of more of a love guy. Well, I want you to know this. What Paul says in here, what we see in Scripture, what we see in Jesus, it doesn't leave the option open for one or the other. You've got to be a both guy. You've got to be somebody who speaks the truth, but in love. See, if all you do is build trust and transparency in a mentoring relationship, all you get is love and acceptance. And that person is never really going to change unless you're willing to also give them the hard truth when they need to hear it. My, uh, my accountability partner is a guy named Jared. Jared and I have been meeting for a number of years now, and him and I, uh, by the way, accountability partners are a, a sort of mentoring relationship because when, it, when you're in a good accountability relationship, you mentor each other, and it's a wonderful thing. So one day I was going to meet with Jared, and I was going to look to him for comfort and understanding. That's what I wanted from him. But what had happened is I had actually recently hurt my wife with something I did. And get this, guys, I didn't think it was as big of a deal as my wife was making it out to be, all right? So I went to my accountability partner, and I said to him, I, and I shared the whole thing with him, and I said, and I was looking for him to bring me comfort and understanding, for him to say, yeah, you're right, it's not that big of a deal. Don't worry, she'll get over it, right? But instead, he listened to me, and he looked at me, and he said, don't you think you're kind of trying to justify your sin right now? And I go, whoa, easy now, <laughs> It bothered me, but I knew he loved me. And it was the exact, it's not what I wanted to hear, 
but it was the exact thing that I needed to hear and the thing that made me make things right with my wife that very day. You see, good mentors don't just build trust and transparency. They actually are willing to tell the person the truth even when it's hard. Rosaria Butterfield is uh, a woman who is coming to speak here this Friday, and you are not going to want to miss this, okay? Because here's Rosario's story. Rosario was an English professor at Syracuse University, and she was also a lesbian and a very well-known LGBT activist. And so Rosario kind of recounts her story of how she came to know Jesus through a book called Secrets of an Unlikely Convert. It's a great story. Here's how the story starts. She had just published an article um, that was slamming promise keepers, which is like the, you know, the, the men's Christian movement back a while ago. And she was slamming it. So she got all kinds of response from different people. And she had this pile of letters on her desk. And she said, I sorted them into hate mail and fan mail. I had, I had a bunch of each. And she said, then I got this letter from a guy named Pastor Ken Smith. And Pastor Ken Smith's letter um, was filled with questions. And it was a lot of questions about challenging me about like why I believed what I believed and where I got kind of the standards for what I was saying in my article. And she said, I didn't know what to do with this letter. Like, I knew it didn't go in the hate mail. I knew it didn't go in the fan mail. I knew he was a pastor and it seemed like he was uh, opposing me, but I still couldn't put it in the hate mail pile. So it sat on her desk for like a week and she said there were even times where she went and she threw it away into the trash. And then the next day she couldn't take it anymore. She brought it back out of the trash, put it back on the desk. And she was like, and she just couldn't, she couldn't ignore it. She said it was the most loving letter of opposition that I had ever received. The long story short for Rosaria is that she ended up calling up Pastor Ken Smith, meeting with him and his wife, developing a mentoring, mentoring relationship that led, that led her to converting to Christianity. It is a wonderful story, but the reason that I tell you the story is because I think what Pastor Ken Smith and what he did in his letter is a perfect example of truth and love. You see, as mentors, we have to challenge people with so much love that they just can't help but make the change. We have to be the kind of mentors that give them the truth that they don't know where to put it. They don't, want, they don't put it in the hate mail. They don't put it in the fan mail. But they don't know what to do with it, but they know that they can't ignore it. That's what it means to give truth and love. That's how mentoring should be. All right, so trust, transparency, and then truth. Those are the three marks of mentoring that actually works. All right, but the last question that I want to ask this morning is what is holding you back? What's holding you back from getting into a, a mentoring relationship? And I want to ask you, what season are you in right now? Are you in a season where you know you need mentoring? Like you just know you need someone. We've all been there. 
Or are you in a season where you know that you've been following Jesus long enough, and it doesn't take that long, but to actually mentor someone else? Or are you in a season where you think you could use both? And you have to be discerning here because not everybody's ready to be a mentor, but I believe there are kind of two things, there are two lies that hold us back from getting into these kind of relationships. The first lie is for those who are considering being mentors. And that lie goes like this. I don't think I can be a mentor because I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. All right. I want you to know this. If you are someone who seems like you have it all together, you make the worst mentor. If you act like you have it all together, you are a bad mentor because you will never get anywhere with anyone. And I also want to say this, you don't have to wait until you become kind of a Greek scholar of the New Testament before you actually mentor anyone. When I taught my kids how to tie their shoe, I just, I didn't teach them eight different Boy Scout knots to tie their shoe in. I just taught them simply how to tie their shoe. There are some of you in here who have been following Jesus for long enough, and some of you in the most simple and faithful ways that you do it so naturally you don't even know you do it. Do you know there are young people right here in this church that need to hear how you do it? They need to know. They need to know how you spend time with Jesus. They need to know what a godly marriage looks like. They need to know what uh, parenting looks like, how you conduct business as a follower of Jesus. They need you. And the other thing that you hear sometimes is, well, you know, I could mentor someone, but, you know, my past is pretty riddled, pretty tainted. There's a lot of brokenness in my past, and I don't know if God can use me as a mentor. Well, I want to tell you here today that I think the more, the, the more difficult your life has been, the more brokenness, the more hurts that you have experienced in your life and that God has brought you through, the more you actually have to offer as a mentor. I guarantee you there is someone in this church right now that is going through some of the hurts and the brokenness that you have already been through and that God has brought you through. And they need to hear your story. And if you don't tell your story, they will never tell theirs because they'll feel like they're alone. You must tell your story. If you are someone who has had an affair in your marriage and God has healed it, you need to tell your story. Someone here is going to need you to tell that story, how you followed Jesus through that. If you are someone who struggles with pornography or has struggled with pornography, has struggled with same-sex attraction, has had a divorce, has had an abortion, God wants to use your story. If you are someone, maybe you've just gone through hard things, like you've battled cancer, you've lost a child, you've had a miscarriage, you've had a wayward child, share your story because there's someone in here right now that needs to hear it, that needs to know how to follow Jesus through that. I believe Jesus does the most through our brokenness. And he wants to use you. Because mentoring, listen, is not about telling people how great of a person you are. 
It's telling people how great of a work Jesus has done in your life. You can be a mentor. God has done too much in your life for you to keep it to yourself. I think our value as followers of Jesus is not in what we keep, it's what we give away. All right, so that's the first lie. But then there's another lie. And this lie is those of, for those of you who, um, who think that maybe you need mentoring, but you're held back from getting it. And this is what you say. I don't think I need mentoring. I'll just figure it out myself. I got this. No one ever has done that up until this point in Christian history. No one. You never, every time you hear a story of somebody that came to Christ or grew in their relationship with Jesus, there's always someone attached to it. Every single one of you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you can think of at least one person that has helped you get to the place that you're at right now. No one ever, said, no one ever sat in a dark room and said, this is my story. I was sitting there all alone and all of a sudden I realized I needed Jesus. That doesn't happen. It always involves someone. It always involves a mentor. For me, I would not be here today, the person I am, without the mentors in my life. You see, all the way through, I had Mrs. Duffy, who shared the gospel with me as a five-year-old in Sunday school. I had my dad, who showed me the importance of spending time with Jesus on a daily basis. I had a guy named Ted Cruz, who taught me the difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus. I had Ken and Billie Jean Ellingson, who taught me how to be a husband, how to be a father. I had Jim and Joe, Pastor Jim College, Pastor Joe Coffey, teach me how to be a pastor and follow Jesus all at the same time. And I have to tell you this, I would not be the person that God has me as right now if it wasn't for those people in my life. And I think that you will not be all that God wants you to be, all that he's designed you to be until you let someone come in, invest in your life, and mentor you. It's not a solo sport. It's a team sport. If you're going to be transformed in 2018, if this church is going to thrive for 30 plus years, it's going to be because all of us took mentoring seriously. Be transformed through the mentors in your life. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good. You love us. And Lord, you've used people in our lives. But we know this, that it's really not people. It's the power of your Holy Spirit and the obedience of people that has done all the hefty, heavy lifting. And so I pray that you would convict people today to take the steps that they need to take to invest themselves in a mentor or for mentors to invest themselves in a mentee. Lord, would you just continue to build life-on-life -life relationships that further your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.